0: Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of the Gravescast. Uh, A little bit late streaming this week, Uh, just got my second vaccination, so was out for a couple of days, but we are back now. So uh, this week we have on Jack Christie, he's a football champion, a crypto researcher, and put simply, a man who enjoys punting hobos. How are you doing today, Jack? (laughs) Oh, I'm doing well, how are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, care to look, give a little context to the last one?
1: Yeah, so for people who don't know, that was my uh, username on Xbox Live, and I've carried that with me my whole life, and it was uh, called I punt Hobos. <laughs> Just a uh, re- real create- creative mind uh, came up with that. It was uh, my, my best friend back in the day. Um, I think he said he had a friend whose name on Xbox Punt Babies. which for some reason i thought that was pretty funny when i was a little kid so i was like you know what i'll put my own spin on that and what other vulnerable population can i decide to punt and i went for hobos how old were you when you made that one uh it's probably about like uh 11 or 12 maybe
0: damn dude this type of shit you come up with when you're younger Mine was a little more cringy, Uh, not really attacking a vulnerable population, but it was like Tactical (laughs) Groundhog or Tactical Gopher or something. Tactical Gopher, yeah, I remember. Dude, I don't know what came of that, but thankfully those days are long gone. (laughs) Aw, I thought it was cool. Eh, It is what it is. I I don't know. I I feel like over time you never like your old tag. Do you still like the iPunt Hobos tag? Would you still use it nowadays? It's a little, uh, a little bit
1: culturally <laughs> insensitive, um, so maybe I should kind of start phasing it out a bit, but um, I still think it's funny, and it's just silly and, you know, fun, and, you know, yeah, you, it just it just shows that I don't take myself too seriously,
0: which I like. Yeah, true enough. I've, I've always felt like the shit I come up with, like, a couple years later, I always start hating it again, and then I go for, like, a new tag or something. I think- yeah,
1: yeah, I know a lot of people who do that, and they're always changing up.
0: I just think it's always looking for the next best thing, right? Yeah, yeah keep things fresh. You know, that's cool, yeah. too. Speaking of uh, Xbox Live, we both, uh, back in the day, around what, probably our teenage years, were huge into uh, just Xbox Live, gaming in general, right? We used to play a lot. And we yeah, used to sure. play a lot of Call of Duty Zombies. And that oh, was a course. huge part of my childhood. And I take it as a huge part of yours as well it was definitely a pretty big part i probably
1: started getting really into it more in high school but um i remember when i was a little kid um this was the same the same friend who helped me make my xbox (laughs) uh live name he was like my my next door neighbor and my parents were pretty strict on me like they never really let me play too many video games uh when i was younger especially not anything like rated m um so I would always have to go over to his house to to play like anything like M-rated, and the first thing we did was we had the original Xbox and we we loved the um, the Halo games. Yeah. So we I went to his his place and uh, yeah we, we started with the first Halo game, and I remember I I just thought it was like the most uh surreal experience of my life playing this shooting game and shooting aliens and stuff <laughs> so that was really really
0: cool but i remember we can't. i don't know did you ever play the first halo no dude i had it when i first got an xbox it gave me like five free games and i think like halo 3 was on there so i played like maybe 20 minutes of it and just wasn't my thing
1: well on the on the original halo there's if people have played it will know there's a, a mission about like halfway through the game, where um, you know, you're you're f- you're fighting these aliens mostly, you know, and they're kind of, you know, they're a little scary for a, you know, a kid, you know. <laughs> uh, I was yeah, I was a pretty, uh, scaredy cat kid, but I was kind of scared of them. But then there's this one mission where like, you find this like dead soldier, and you're wondering like what happened to him. So you watch like his like helmet camera or whatever, Ooh. and you see like. He's getting attacked by these, like... Uh, it was called, like, the Flood in the video game. But it was, like, these little, like, egg um, alien things. And they would, like, jump on... Oh, they would all, like, jump on you and, like, turn you into a zombie. Yeah. So, that that scared me so much. Like, I remember having nightmares about that for so long. And, oh my god. So, that brings me to um, the, the Call of Duty zombies. Because my first experience playing that was um pure terror <laughs> i don't know what like when was your f- first time playing
0: i started with uh, black ops i wasn't as fortunate as to start with world at war uh it's kind of similar to you where my parents weren't too happy about the idea of playing like m-rated games they're okay with like teen rated games whatever but for m-rated they're always like you're not playing it in our house if you go over to a friend's house it's fine So I had a friend named uh, Cam and used to go over his place and I think a lot of people kind of had it at the time, but I remember playing like Call of the Dead and Moon and just really loving the concept, especially like kind of the perk machines and just all the different like wonder weapons and stuff like that. Like it really, uh, it was a fun experience and that's pretty much the reason I got like a 360 after that. You were lucky enough to start on World at War though, right?
1: yeah in the one map they had i can't remember what it was called but it was just that one little house and it, back then it was called nazi zombies because yeah. you were allowed to use the word nazi and so it was like this scary you know these zombies are all of a sudden coming after you like i'm used to like shooting human beings you know like i'm fine <laughs> to do that like those guys can die but zombies are terrifying
0: I think there's Um, also a real sense of fear and dread when it came to, like, the Nazi zombies version. Because, I don't know, dude. Something about, like, having those outdated graphics and just... It it looked very uh, deserted, almost, in a way. Like, as as time's gone on, like, you've seen with, like, Black Ops 3 zombies or Black Ops 2 zombies even, where some of it almost got cartoon-like, in a way.
1: Yeah i definitely felt that way and and some part of the atmosphere of it too was like there's nowhere where you can just like put your back to a wall and like no you know see everything that's coming at you it's like there's always potentially something coming behind you so you've always got to be like on your toes and you know they these zombies have like they make these scary noises and (laughs) they chase after you and they're like full sprinting screaming like some kind of hell spawn and i'm just like a little kid like just getting more ptsd from these video games like maybe my parents had a point not letting me play these
0: things (laughs) did you actually like get scared at night though like was it the type of thing where you like kept your eyes open like lights on or um a little bit
1: but i was always kind of like that when i was little like always scared of the dark and um you know scared of you know just imagining things and Those types of things didn't help me too much, but it was, it was, it added excitement to it, right? It's like I'm doing this thing that, like, I'm not supposed to. Like, I'm kind (laughs) of going behind my parents' back to play this game. And, um, I know it's kind of scary, but, like, all my friends love it, and it is fun. Like, and there's a little bit of, like, a, you know, a childish aspect to it when they had, like, um, oh, what is the, uh, the box, the mystery box? The mystery box where you, like, you know, you open it up and you can get, like, you know, these crazy guns, like the Ray gun. It's like an alien thing. And it was very, you know, I think that was, you know, hit, hit my little kid dopamine receptors pretty nicely oh, yeah. when I would get the, the Ray gun out of that thing.
0: Dude, you, you got to wonder, like, whether it's shit like that inspired, like, teenage gambling or stuff like that, right? Because <laughs> we look today at, like, CSGO loot boxes and stuff, but back in the day, you know, you had the mystery box and shit, right? So it did exist.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's like everything's just becoming more and more like in your face, and and it's got to be you know more exciting and more outrageous. And it's just funny to think back to like these very simplistic uh, video games that I just enjoyed so so much. And you know, if I were to play that today, I would have nowhere near the level of excitement that I got from it back then. You know, it's like it's like this novel experience and then once you have it you can uh you can never like recapture that um so I guess that's what you call nostalgia
0: really you don't think you don't think you'd enjoy it if you went back to it
1: I mean I would still enjoy it but not in the same way that I did when I was a kid and I, I'm more I mean when you're a kid like you see the world in a different way right like everything is kind of fascinating to you so when you grow up you, you also lose that you know aspect so I mean, you know, as, as the, the maps came out and, like, the new games came out, it still was something I always went back to, and it was kind of evolving, and I was evolving with it, and, yeah.
0: which was cool. Is it, is it something where, if you went back to it, you'd more so enjoy the older maps, stuff that was a little more simplistic, or the stuff that is, like, coming out now, that's kind of advanced as time has gone on?
1: Well, I haven't really been following the Call of Duty games for a, for a few years now, but I do remember when we played together in high school, like, when we moved from, well, we played a bit on Xbox, that was the, yeah. the Tactical Gopher days, <laughs> I remember it, I would always go on my Xbox, and I would always, like, go to my friends list, and it would be like, Tactical Gopher, Round 40, Farm, uh, Black Ops 2, yeah. or, or, yeah, Black Ops 2, yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's i was like man that.
1: <laughs> yeah i was like man this guy's good at zombies <laughs> and then in play- when we went over to playstation because i never really played that much with you on xbox more so on playstation i think and then i remember when me and dylan were you know wanting someone else to play with and we saw you and we were like we can get the mvp of zombies <laughs>
0: on our team uh hell yeah <laughs> dude i felt like i got worse as time went on honestly like after black ops 2 i never felt like i had it again <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I know, it happens, like, you know, you have your favorite uh, map and your favorite game, you grind it, but then, you know, there's always a new one coming out, they have to scrap everything and go back to square one, basically, right?
0: Dude, I, I kinda I kind of lost it in Black Ops 3, though, like, I definitely, I bought, I told you this, I originally bought the PS4 just because someone, uh, Tommy and James brought, uh, PS4 to one of the parties and we were playing like Shadows of Evil and it's like oh my god these graphics look amazing like the weapons are so cool the atmosphere like and then the next day I went in and spent like $500 to get it in the game and just I don't know it's to me I feel like they threw way too much in zombies I always like the more simplistic stuff Um, I
1: actually uh, Shadows of Evil was pretty cool because it was like um you know, this that was, like, probably the most all- Like, the one with the transit, the one with the bus, oh, like, yeah. that was pretty pretty unique. Uh, but then, yeah, they really outdid themselves when they made the, uh, the Shadows of Evil 1. And I remember, like, the Easter egg was pretty cool. Like, you had to, like, do some crazy stuff. And it was, like, not- it wasn't as, like, impossible to do anymore. They made it a little- because I remember it used to be, like, you had to do such- ridiculous tedious things to get those uh, easter eggs and then they kind of made it like more beginner friendly and i thought that was cool because then like you know anybody could do it you know anybody who just like put their mind to it (laughs) put their soul into this video game they could do this pretty hard challenge you know
0: so were you an easter egg guy then
1: i was on that map but only that map okay i never really did
0: because i never really did it on any others but that one I was gonna say I only really did on I think uh Call the Dead and Shangri La and maybe even Moon, but that was only because you could get uh, gamer pictures. you could get like Dempsey or Richtofen or something for your profile. So that was my that's only incentive. Cool. Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool though. And they were pretty secretive about it and they actually made them like pretty hard well once somebody figures it out on YouTube, like it's um you know, everybody can do it. But I remember every time the new map would come out, you, there'd be these guys on YouTube who are like, trying to figure it out as fast as possible. And, like, the thing would be out for, like, 20 hours, and <laughs> these guys would already be, like, figuring it out. And, like, it's crazy. It's like, you, you would have to, like, go up and knife a wall three times, and then, like, do, like, a 360 in this very specific area of the map. And, you know, some ridiculous thing. And these guys have already got it solved in t- 20 hours straight of playing video games.
0: Dude, it's... it's like it's ridiculous and it It it, was it we're lucky in that regard to have that because i mean back in the day you would have the same shit but you'd have to they had like nintendo game counselors where you could call for like four dollars a minute and they give you advice on how to beat the game is it for nintendo only yeah i'm sure like the other companies had shit like that but that was the one i remember hearing about
1: (laughs) that's pretty funny some little kid like imagine that being your job like you're just sitting there and you got like some five-year-old calls he's like oh i don't know how to beat mario <laughs> Yeah. and you'll be like "Dude, just just jump on the goomba's head man it's not too hard little kid's
0: like wow i didn't think of it that way thanks yeah exactly parent comes <laughs> into the room who the fuck are you talking to listen to like some 35 year old's voice get the phone yeah. bill like why why is there like 40 dollars spent on december 1st or something what is this pervert doing trying to call my kid right now (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i mean i don't know were people as trusting back then like i feel like ah, dude it's so weird like you look at different things like back in the day it was like don't get into a stranger's car right yeah now you pay like we have uber and shit now you're paying to get into a stranger's car
1: (laughs) well not little kids though well some young people my sister used to like uh sneak out of the house and uh take take Uber's places which was <laughs> pretty uh pretty funny.
0: You got to wonder whether yeah. they have like an age limit on that stuff or anything do that?
1: Yeah, I'm they should. I mean, like yeah, that's probably a good idea.
0: <laughs> Dude, I mean, nothing as long as you have the money, I don't think anything's stopping you at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's um that's a corporation running that for you. Oh, yeah, fucking scary shit.
0: Yeah. But I guess for the zombies, what was your uh, favorite map then? Um, all of them? From World at War to, I guess you stopped at Black Ops 3. Favorite map? Of all
1: time. Honestly, I probably put the, the most hours into... Um, what was that map that we used to play a lot together that was a remake of another one? Darius? i think that was the one that had like the switch you could pull down and then that would have like lightning come down and then we would always camp on the balcony remember that
0: yeah i think was that was the one with hellhounds that was the one where it had the wonder yeah. Wolf.
1: yeah yeah that's the one yeah,
0: yeah that was to then it had the okay. right at the back
1: yeah yeah so. the perfect camping spot
0: yeah dude that was did you play like the original versions of that too like the black ops one no i never really
1: played zombies too too much on black ops one um but i i mean that map with you is where we went to like round um i think 40 something which was like you know euphoric for me back in the day oh yeah
0: i think yeah dude i actually i was talking to uh walberg the other day about this actually we're doing our own rankings and yeah, that goes right up there for me. Like, just, yeah, the perfect camping strategy, it's just, it's, you're right, it's euphoric in a way, and it's also, I was never a fan of the whole, like, training thing. Like, just, yeah, I just running
1: around in circles.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what, it's a good strategy for high rounds, but I've always felt like there's the most enjoyment where it's like, you get four of your buddies, you all got, like, LMGs or something, and you're just seeing how far you can go. If the zombies overrun you, they overrun you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and it's always like something funny that happens
1: like somebody like screws something up and then you know you yell at them oh yeah <laughs> and everybody was... everybody dies it's like zombie movies too like there's always some guy who screws oh, yeah. up gets everybody killed and that's like i remember that was usually that was usually dylan who was the one <laughs> of us three because <laughs> someone... there's always us three
0: yeah you like open the wrong door or something that's like dude we need that for a camping spot now we can't yeah. do it You yeah ruin the yeah. entire
1: game <laughs> or just like throws the monkey bombs in the wrong place. Yeah.
0: Like <laughs> literally, like <throws laughs> I forgot a- about.
1: That. I just remembered that thing, that item, which is like, if you don't know, um, it's like, well, you know, but
0: yeah, you know what I mean. For yeah, genre. you throw,
1: yeah, you throw a monkey, who, like a toy monkey, who's like clashing symbols together, and then like all the zombies like love the monkey, so they run to the monkey. But if you throw the monkey on, like, yourself, and then, you know, you just screw everything up, and I, I feel like that happened way too many times.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure, dude. I think uh, I think my favorite, though, definitely is, have you ever heard of Varukt? like the uh, Asylum one? Uh, was was that the one with, like, the mobsters? No, that was Mob of the Dead. Varukt was uh... originally from World at War. It was, like, more of a yellowish-type map, and it had it started off where you guys were split at the start. There was a door, like, oh, really? in the middle of you guys?
1: I vaguely remember that. I probably played it, like, a couple times, but, yeah, vaguely.
0: Yeah, so that was, like, one of the more bare-bones one Like, it was the second map ever released, honestly. Oh, okay. And it was, dude, a lot of people shit on it, even now uh, Wahlberg isn't really a huge fan of it, from what I hear. But I always love playing it, because there there's kind of, like, a catwalk-type spot, too. Where it's like you had an electric trap right beside you, so one person would get the barrier at the back and then the rest of you three would be up front just trying to like keep the zombies away. And in a map where you only have like the four original Perca Colas and that's it, like I think you got a ray gun too, it just got so hectic. It would be yeah. like you guys are battling until the trap recharges and just I think we made like 35 on that map or something, and it's I don't think you could really go much further. <laughs>
1: yeah one point. that was like what was the ideal uh round number like that's considered like s tier round number
0: for that for that map for that type of strategy i th- i don't think he really get past the 40s i think honestly uh for us like getting like 30 or something is like pretty good <laughs> it's it's hard to get past that
1: Thirty. 30 you said
0: yeah 30 30 is probably like a good score 40 is probably like the top like you can't beat that for that strategy yeah
1: yeah true what was your what was your highest round ever
0: ever do remember? uh yeah. glitched probably about like 74 probably oh, you authentically Yeah, <laughs> dude. I, I remember when it first came out it was something called do you remember Die Rise from black ops 2 oh
1: yeah yeah that was the one that was like the the like high rise like yeah in like tokyo or something
0: so when the map first came out there was originally a spot where you could camp and the zombies would only come out with one barrier so you could just sit there and spam this like the wonder weapon the fire, and they would keep like falling into the puddle and just dying yeah that was a cool
1: that was a cool gun the pink goo one right yeah yeah that was cool
0: dude and and then they nerfed the map and i remember like the huge thing was is we would all like play this map we would like I, I don't know about you but a lot of us would wake up at like 4 a.m when the map first released to download just to play a bit before we went to school and i remember ah. having so many debates like just talking to people like yeah i got this round i did this and they're like you fucking cheated it's like no it's just like spawn control or something it's a strategy
1: so you guys were like you guys were those guys that were playing 20 hours right when the map comes out to find out all the secrets no, that was you
0: basically not not the easter eggs just just around just playing around yeah. and shit man just okay good fun yeah yeah but i I, cool. I think you're right i think it's really uh just the times you can't i don't think you can go back to that unfortunately
1: yeah well once you kind of grow up and you can't you know spend most of your time playing video games then yeah (laughs) (laughs) it kind of goes away
0: i didn't even think of it the way you're saying it though like right at the start you were like yeah you know like when you grow up that like childhood curiosity and mystique goes away it's like dude that just sounds so depressing
1: (laughs) a little bit yeah but it's it's kind of like it's a little real realism i guess um But you can keep, you know, you can always keep that with you and and carry that with you through your life. It's not like something that is gone forever. Like, you know, everybody has an inner child and um, you just have to nurture it.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the uh, topics just get a little more complex. Like you got really into crypto, right? And I'm pretty sure that has a little bit of a childlike curiosity to it, right? Uh,
1: definitely. And it's also, also got like a, a gambling mentality to it too. <laughs> mystery, mystery box I deny that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It evolved from that. Uh, and that's why probably cause I was hitting the mystery box so much. That's why I like crypto. So what's
0: your, what's your uh, history with the crypto? Cause I think one of the interesting parts of bringing you on for this is we've talked about it in the past on the podcast, but we don't really have any fucking idea what we're talking about. Whereas you, you've been, from what I hear, you spent a lot of time on it solid amount
1: i won't i mean i won't claim to be uh, an expert or anything but i think i've i've read into it a, a good bit and um it all kind of started um this was a, at the start of the very first lockdown which would have been um may april 2020 and you know everything's locked down school had just ended um you know i wasn't working so I was doing nothing, and I was looking for a way to make money, and so I was like, like maybe I'll try like trading stocks, you know, because like I heard that that you know can can work pretty well, and like I'm going to school for for commerce, right? So I'm taking finance classes already, so I have a bit of background here, and I can try to learn uh, learn some stuff, and so I was just learning and watching YouTube videos and i remember stumbling upon this guy who um was just talking about like you know general stock market but then all of a sudden he's like and now we're going to talk about bitcoin and he's like we're approaching the the i think third halving event um which will be coming in may and here's why this is gonna make it go from at the time it was around like nine thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars wow and i was i was like well that sounds good to me (laughs) you got my interest (laughs) so um i remember watching it and i I had actually done a a report in second year school on bitcoin just more more mainly like the technical side of it like how it works as a technology um so a bit of a crash course like and people probably have no idea what well some people might know that the having and what that means but uh, essentially, the having is refers to like the way that the supply uh, kind of goes into the market of Bitcoin like new, Bitcoin mining right? yeah do you know do you know much about Bitcoin mining?
0: Uh, I know it started off with like very very generally like it's basically the type of thing where it's like solving equations and that's how you can get Bitcoin and as more gets mined, the equations get harder and harder to try and like keep a cap on it almost you definitely exactly. got a better way of explaining
1: it. <laughs> no, that was that was really good, actually. Um, all, all it would really add to that is that, like, the more, basically, the more computing power or the more um, uh, electricity or power that's going into uh, mining the currency um, makes the network more secure. Because, basically, you have more people, more computers hooked up to it, and, therefore, you have more... Um, people or more yeah more people that can validate the the ledger of transactions which is the blockchain so yeah once this equation is solved um, that they're all you know fighting to solve and it's it's like some very you know like no human being could ever solve it on their own maybe give them like a hundred years and they could but you (laughs) use powerful computer to do it and then it solves the equation And then that, therefore, mines a block added onto the blockchain. And in that block, it basically lists publicly, like, all the different addresses. And an address is basically, like, you know, like a bank account, sort of. And, you know, where they move their crypto to. So it's, like, all public. And everyone can, you know, keep each other accountable and see, you know... um, all, all the movements of Bitcoin possible. So it's like, you you can... People say like, uh, oh, like, it, you know, only criminals use Bitcoin or back in the day they said that. yeah. But that was only because, you know, people were, didn't really understand it or still don't because it's actually very, very traceable. As long as you can have, find somebody's address, you can trace it back to um, sort of the person... Well, at least like the internet source or ip address that holds that address right and so really yeah like i i I don't know if you saw in the news that there was this um colonial pipeline hack um did you see that at all
0: no i'm dude i actually i was still under the assumption that yeah it wasn't really traceable
1: no it's uh it was a so it was a ransomware attack on their servers at this this pipeline and they the hackers demanded their payment in bitcoin so, um, they they ended up paying it, you know, to get access to their servers back. But then yeah. the FBI uh, was able to trace through the wallets and addresses. And a wallet is, is also like an address. It's basically the same thing. And we're able to trace the hackers and recover a uh, majority of the funds. So, yeah, that's definitely one one gripe against uh, Bitcoin that, you know, people kind of don't understand the the pub public nature of it and how like everybody is able to see all the transactions that take place you know on the network or on the blockchain which which makes it pretty pretty unique um and yeah like the having the having so yeah i'm <laughs> i went on a side tangent no, that's there well, um, quick
0: question, question first i know mm-hmm. this might sound dumb but what if they used a vpn does that uh influence anything or
1: i I don't i know vpns will move what they they mask your ip address right by moving you into a different like country or something um i'm sure that that would probably um help but i'm not like a cybersecurity expert as well so i'm assuming like you also gotta assume if these hackers are you know able to create a script that you know Gets into some major corporation in America that you know they would also probably cover them their tracks with like a VPN, like they would have that intelligence as well. So I'm assuming the FBI was kind of able to uh, get past that to some degree, and you know they at least know like okay, there's this address out there that's holding all the money from the Colonial Pipeline hack. Now we just need to trace this address um because it's there it's publicly there we can all see it we just need to find the person that owns it
0: yeah i guess nord vpn can't solve everything then <laughs> i should get a vpn <laughs> yeah it's fair do, you enough, have, do you have a vpn not at all
1: dude not at all it's yeah i think like that wouldn't be a bad idea although i don't do any uh illegal activities on my computer but neither, still. neither do i
0: so i'm not really too <laughs> concerned <laughs>
1: i mean we won't admit to it on the podcast of course not <laughs> what you're saying oh yeah so the the having event um it's like it's pretty cool like every so when you mine the block right and you solve this equation you get rewarded in bitcoin for it so at the very start like when it first came out it was like i think it was 12 bitcoin per per block the guy would get and then the halving basically means the reward gets cut in half. So it goes twelve to six and then um, you know six to three. I, I I'm not exactly sure what the the halves were. It was around those numbers. And um, so yeah, I think uh, I think now it's like it's around like three or four. i might I might be wrong on that, but um so that that basically means like the this the supply is introduced to the market at like a slower and slower rate and therefore it becomes more scarce in that way and um at some point you know there will be a there will be zero bitcoin being mined and all of it will be out there in the world yeah which will be a maximum supply of i I believe 21 million so um and also people think that you know there's about two million bitcoin that are like lost uh you know somebody died while having it or forgot the password to an account or something oh, like gosh. that yeah which is just, just just a tragedy um <laughs> like i can't
0: even imagine the the pain that they, they would have gone through <laughs> now uh, if that's lost so does that mean the cap would drop down to like 19 million uh
1: yeah because it would never be able to be recovered so 21 million is the official max but that would mean, yeah, maybe there's supposedly two million missing. So yeah, nineteen million actually uh, in existence.
0: What what if the creator like do the creators have the option to add more if they want to, or is it just not possible?
1: Well, so the crea- the creator. Do you know much about um the creation story of Bitcoin? I do not. So this is one of the coolest parts about it. Um, it was created right after the the. Financial crisis in two thousand and eight, and is created by a pseudo anonymous uh, guy named Satoshi Nakamoto. Oh yeah. So it's just a it's just a name. Like there's no one knows who this person is, and um, he wrote the code. And in the first block that was ever mined, he left a secret message, Um, and it's like it was the headline of a paper. Uh, called the times in london england okay it was like uh chancellor on the brink of second bailout for banks or something like that which was you know due to like all the the mortgage crisis and everything in 2008 okay the governments had to step in and basically like print money to save uh, the banks that were you know at fault for creating this kind of dilemma and which was everyone thinks that this was a guy who was upset about was seeing that and was upset about that and didn't think that was fair to people so he wanted to create a currency that didn't really have a, a central controller or somebody who's able to like change the supply based on their own interests yeah so um, so i think that was the goal and that's kind of a pretty like libertarian view but like it doesn't have to be in my opinion, it doesn't have to be this extreme libertarian thing like it can work you know within the boundaries of kind of like not too far to one side, not too far to another, sort of political spectrum, I guess you could say, yeah, and just so, just sort of be a currency which exists um and the people determine the value of it so um and no nobody can kind of dictate monetary policy on it. it's just kind of something that you can safely store your value in because you know that the blockchain is secure and the more demand there is for it, the more power that's going to go into mining and the more power that goes into mining, the more secure the network is because the more computers, the more people you have, you know, monitoring the ledger of addresses and whatnot.
0: Yeah, that's the decentralization aspect, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, which is cool. And I think that you know, government regulation is important. Like, um, you know, look at like building codes and stuff. Like, some countries exist where like there are, there aren't like um, regulations that like engineers and architects have to follow when they build things. Like, that's that's not really in the interest of the general person, right? Like, that's people are going to cut corners if they can. To, you know earn an easier profit yeah so so re- regulating cryptocurrency and everything like that's okay with me personally but you know the general decentralized um nature of it is very important to its future success
0: and you think it is the future right
1: at least a component of the future and working like kind of in tandem with um fiat currencies and this was something that i you know back going back to what i was saying earlier when i had nothing to do and i saw like um, because of the covid like the markets all crashed and you know they had to print these trillions of dollars all these country central banks and i was like I was. I remember sitting with my dad, and and we were just sitting there, and I was like, "So they print all this money?" I was like, "How does that even work? Like, where, where does that come from?" Like, they just like poof out of out of nowhere. And he's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't really know either." And we were just like, "Hmm." So I was like, "You know, I'll try to figure this out." And uh, long story short, without you know going to a very boring <laughs> economics talk, it's essentially like just created on a computer and. It's all digitally just dumped into, um, you know, the bonds and uh, commercial banks through commercial banks and, you know, dilutes the supply. or it doesn't dilute the supply, but it creates a larger supply of dollars in existence, which means each dollar is now worth less, right? Because there's yeah. more of them and more people have them. So, you know, I was like, this uh, this whole process, like, it's kind of strange to me, like, you know... I mean, of course, something had to be done, you know, to kind of stop this, this financial disaster from happening. But like, wh- where does it end? Like, are, are we just going to, are they just going to keep creating dollars and we're just going to, you know, things are just going to get more expensive while our wages aren't going to go up? Like, is this, is this, because that's what, you know, the the trend has kind of been for the last 10
0: years. So in a way, um, are are the people almost sheep then? Because they're kind of following privy to a financial system that they really have no control over. Uh,
1: just to some degree, but people are also kind of waking up to this. Like, especially like university costs and house, like the housing market. Like, people our age are are seeing like, well, I have to go into debt to you know get a degree, which. I've been told most of my life is what's necessary to live a successful life. And then, you know, part of that successful life narrative is, you know, buy a home eventually. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and the, you know, the more that these goals become even more challenging for people, you kind of step back and go like, well, who is making this more? Like, why is this getting harder and harder and not, you know, easier? Because, you know, what you expect with, technology developing you know you you expect us to move closer to like a utopian society and in many ways you know we do have um you know i would say we're in better well i'm not even too sure about that um you know you can maybe say something that you think has made the world better in the last 30 years but like what other than fancier screens and fridges that connect to wi-fi have we really like had breakthroughs in in the last 30 years
0: um i think you'd have to look at like i, I actually brought this up with my family the other day and they are saying stuff like okay so your car's broken uh you can't just now order a part online and have it come in like the next day right now it's like you know they'd have to shoot out like at least the auto parts store would have to like shoot off a message to like the manufacturer maybe get in in like two weeks or something and you look at stuff where it's like you you order it online and it's like, you know, three weeks for delivery, right? Three weeks to a month. But now we're getting it within like 24 hours if we really want it. So. That, that's true. I guess uh, capitalism is more convenient now, right? I think there's more accessibility too with like, you know, screen readers and all that jazz, right?
1: For sure. For, for sure. But would you say that that is, um, you know, equally distributed amongst the human population these kind of um
0: oh of course. nice advancement of course it's yeah like you're right there is an aspect of capitalism to it and i mean there are a lot of bad things like we have we did talk about the social media thing when dylan came on the podcast and everything and i mean overall i think there is i, I don't know i'm not excited for self-driving cars because i mean you know with having a computer on your waist every day it's like instead of having to respond to that work email the next day it's like yeah let's respond to it within the next five minutes right like there's more it, it, technology yeah. meant to kind of make everything easier but at the same time it just made it so that hey we can do more in less time now
1: <laughs> true true but um i mean self-driving cars are going to be kind of cool because i think uh, i think we're going to look back in like 30 years and be like We were such barbarians for driving on the road like that's so such a high risk thing that we do every day like people just like die in an instant right like car crashes take away lives and it's one of the most you know meaningless kind of ways to die and most unexpected tragedies that happen and we're gonna be like literally like how many tens of thousand people were dying of these car crashes every year and like we were kind of like not, that wasn't like our top priority to like solve that. It's kind of weird. We were kind of dumb back in the day, you know? Would you want to really give up your right to drive, though? I think that it'll still exist, like, you know, like be an, a niche kind of thing, like um, horseback riding kind of is. Are you, are you um, really?
0: Really? Yeah.
1: yeah, like, you know, there'll still be tracks that people can drive around on and or you know maybe maybe like people won't even own their own cars like there'll be some kind of like public transportation system that kind of like you know hyperloop situation that just brings people from place to place um and you don't kind of maybe you own a car but you hold it in a garage then you just show it off to your friends and you know driving will be like a skill a forgotten skill of the past
0: kind of dude that sounds more like a dystopia than a utopia holy shit uh-huh.
1: Yeah, just because just because you can't drive your car, y'all of a I, sudden you're in dystopia.
0: <laughs> you know what? I just think there's a lot of uh, pleasure in driving. It's kind of freeing. Like it's it's I, I, in one way, it's like something to do. But on the other hand, it's just I don't know, relaxing. I mean, if you know, in cities, obviously, public transit's more uh, you know accessible and a lot more efficient. But I mean, do you would you really rather do the public transit option? Like, most people complain about that having to it. take a bus rather than driving themselves, right? Yeah, that is an interesting
1: point because I consider my half an hour commute to work, like, if I could just wake up and get to work in 10 minutes, if I had some, like, Hyperloop thing that would take me right there, like, quickly, i like, personally, I think I would prefer that because then I wouldn't, you know, I feel like an hour of my day is just sitting in a car, you know, every day. And yeah, it, it is, you know, maybe I'm taking it for granted because I do enjoy, you know, listening to music and just kind of driving and, and vibing on my own. Um, but I, I feel like the saved time from just being able to like whip over in some AI crazy machine, you know, I feel like that, that would be better.
0: I don't know. I would agree with you if it was a Hyperloop type scenario because I mean, yeah, if you can decrease your time, sure. But if, you, if we're just going by the self-driving car thing, It would abide by the speed limit. You wouldn't be able to, you know, speed it up at all. Well, yes, you know what? It would be good to avoid accidents and everything. But if it took the same amount of time, would you enjoy that more than. That's so hard, man. I mean, on on one hand, it's like, yeah, you know, I guess you could sleep for another half hour, right? Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, I could use that. I just fear the whole thing of like. You can't do shit while you're driving. No one's gonna ask you like, "Hey, you know, Jack, give me that report like while you're driving your Honda Civic or whatever, right?" But I mean, like, if uh, if we get self driving cars, what's stopping the office from saying, "Hey, you know, like, can you uh, pump out this report on your uh, commute home or commute there, right?" Like,
1: well, who knows if we're gonna even have commutes anymore now that like work from home has kind of been normalized, right? Like, oh yeah, I think that this this is such a big like. We're living in the, mo- the the time of, like, such a big shift, I think, in the world. And, um, you know, uh, working, like, how we approach work, um, how we approach, like, our, w- our work-home-life balance, um, how we approach, like, even our mental health, because we realize now, like, how much effect, um, you know, our day-to-day, li- like, wh- what we do in our day-to-day lives can, you know, have an impact on our mental health, you know, sitting inside a lot and, you know, not getting the socialization that, you know, humans are social creatures and just not not having that um, is taking a toll on people, especially kids, like, developing and um, learning, you know, the do's and don'ts of, like, interaction with other people. Um, We realize how important that is, I think. I think a lot of people do. (laughs) And I, I hope at least I hope we don't move away. I hope we don't move more digital. I mean some things for sure, like digital would be nice to, to add to. But I think this is I think this is gonna be a good thing for people because I think we're gonna realize like we're kinda we were kinda straying away from that. Like people were mental health has been a struggle. It's only been getting worse as you know, our lives have kinda started to become more screen based. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's a bit of an awakening and, and among other things
0: too. You think we're getting less digital though? Cause I thought the whole idea of this whole COVID thing was a lot of people are doing more work from home and therefore becoming even more digital, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. And yeah, you kind of lose out on the ability to meet your coworkers face to face and like go socialize after work or something. But you know, like how people kind of just like feel like people just tolerate their coworkers in some cases. Oh yeah, and um, you know maybe this will allow them for more time to go and see their friends or something, right? Like, or maybe it'll allow you know um, just more time to spend with your family, right? Like things that people might you know feel as more more important to them than um you know just going for a happy hour after work or something
0: yeah no I, I totally get what you're saying and i think it's it's a balanced thing right like we talked about it on the podcast the other time i you know what work from home i think it's great for some people for me i think it's hybrid i think the opportunity to go into the office and see your coworkers and interact with them that way versus you know over like a zoom call or something it's definitely going to be something i wouldn't want to miss out on but yeah you know the whole idea of going for uh I mean, half-hour commute in your case, but some people commute for like two hours a day. So, you know, being able to work from yeah. home like three or four days out of the week, that's definitely way better. <laughs> I like that hy- the hybrid idea. Yeah,
1: that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for a lot of people, they've been saying like, yeah, you know, I can sit here and, you know, have lunch with my wife every day and stuff like that, which they wouldn't be able to do if they were at work. So, it's yeah. you're right. I think it's going to shift uh, society for sure.
1: Yeah, and... I mean, going back, we kind of deviated off of crypto, but going back to that, I think that that'll play a role at least. And, you know, to to some degree, um, we're kind of, you know, cash is kind of being phased out, which some people have like um, pretty strong opinions on um, (laughs) losing losing cash um, because they feel that... They need to be a part of some, you know, digital infrastructure to be able to um, transact in the world and in the economy. What do you think about that? Do you think we should at some point, you know, move on from from cash or, um, you know, hold on to it forever?
0: Uh, I think holding on to it forever is good. My, yeah. fa- my father is someone who's very, uh, he's always like, you know, have cash on you. And there's been times where I've gone into the store and it's like, oh, hey, like buy a six pack of beer and my like debit card doesn't work. And he keeps like, you know, looking at me like, hey, you know what, should have kept cash on you and everything. Yeah. So I'm not a huge cash user, but I do think it has its place. And there is something to be said where, you know, you can tap like, you know, 10 times in that day and, you know, you don't feel it until you look at your bank statement and then with cash, you know, like, hey, I just handed out eleven dollars. I just handed out twenty dollars, right? So,
1: yeah, that's that's true. You you have kind of a bit more of an accountability to it because you actually see yourself lose it. Yeah, but there's all <laughs> yeah there's all there's also like the uh, the kind of grossness of money too, right? Like people are oh, definitely yeah. gonna be definitely gonna be more germophobes coming out of this. So like. Do I really want to grab some $20 bill that, like, who knows if, like, this was shoved down some, like, stripper's panties at some point in its career, you know? Like,
0: <laughs>
1: people are going to have that, I feel like, in the back of their mind.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. But can you imagine? <laughs> okay, well, how would strip clubs work if you didn't have cash, dude? Like, That's you just, true. Like, Venmo yeah. Them? I think this is going to be the
1: biggest change um, to society is going to be uh, the cashless society. It's going to be strip clubs are going to have to revolutionize their whole industry. And that's going to be where the most innovation happens.
0: You holy shit, maybe like there could be a chip there. And that's like gives a whole new meaning to like tap that ass. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a poker chip, you mean, or like some no, kind of, of like, like the like you tap your debit card, right? Or maybe you like get coupons QR. it's like it's like
1: it's like chuck e cheese for adults you get like coupons to
0: throw at them dude honestly i think phase or not phase i think uh strip clubs are gonna eventually get phased out i think it's an older person yeah. thing i don't know i you think are, so
1: but. too yeah i've uh, i have been to a strip club before i won't lie <laughs> <laughs> there was this uh this club up in in sudbury where i went to school and um it was, like, half of live music and half of a strip club. So I always loved the live music component because I, I, I really liked that. Yeah. But um, every once in a while, my friends would convince me to venture over to the, uh,
0: Other the side. strip club.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was just awkward. I didn't really like it that much. And, like the, guy, like, the guys that were on stage, you know, like, getting, like... You would pay, like, $5 to get on stage, and, like, they would just, like whip your butt with like your <laughs> belt and i was like that just doesn't look nice like i'm sorry like i know i get like some some boobs in my face for a few seconds but uh, uh yeah, but five, yeah it's just that's not worth it to me
0: you know pay money <laughs> end up with a bruise by the end of the night
1: yeah exactly it's not uh, my that's I, not my thing
0: i just say it like i've been once too and just oh dude it's you, you go in there first of all you i don't know about you but the place i went like it was more of an older clientele and it's just you think about it it's like dude all strip clubs are is a bunch of dudes getting together to get mutually blue balled <laughs> like essentially yeah essentially it, to be fair it has been replaced nowadays with like something like only fans right
1: oh yeah that's true which i guess the digital strip club tiktok and only fans yeah
0: jesus man i i think <laughs> yeah. the other consideration too is like uh gambling right like obviously you can gamble just with debit cards and everything but is it really as satisfying
1: what than having like a big pile of cash that you kind of grab in the middle yeah
0: i mean i th- i think it's
1: it's just as satisfying i played some online poker before and um you know like they they you know they make it on they they know how to like <laughs> manufacture the human mind to you know have excited reactions to things like you get the little sounds and the chips coming in and ooh you know feels good
0: <laughs> oh for sure Did so
1: it, yeah i if, i think the gambling aspect is uh is gonna be probably even more dopamine addicting than an actual casino
0: yeah i mean i feel no i'm not gonna say, cas- I, was gonna say cas- I was gonna say casinos are getting fades out but no that's definitely a step too far <laughs> Yeah,
1: i think i think so too well you know s- slowly i think it will like you know we'll see like i would i've never been to a casino before and you know i wouldn't mind you know going one time you know bring some money in and just say like this amount this money like i'm okay like with never seeing again and then yeah. just play around have some fun um but i don't really have any desire to do that like more than like once or twice in my life, to be honest, but I've never done it before, so maybe like <laughs> maybe I go once and then I become a gambling addict.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if you've done it online, you know how it feels, right? So it's it's yeah, not gonna be true. a one to one, but I think you get a sense of like whether you can stop or not, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. um But
1: I mean, yeah, you're in there, right? You're you're drinking, you're feeling good, yeah. you know, you want you're trying $200? to dodge babies around the around you, you know, like. <laughs>
0: oh, gosh. <laughs> i'd say las vegas is the place of dreams but for a lot of people it's like crushed dreams man <laughs> nightmares yeah definitely going back to what you said about the uh digital stuff i know i noticed a lot in our conversations lately you've been trying to almost get away from the digital life in a way like you've been saying like yeah you know trying to hang out with friends more like stay off the screens like you know don't really want a job where it's like just fully on the screen so I mean, we talked a bit about desk jobs, but I mean, is there kind of a perfect job then? Because I mean, I think in business, there's, I guess you could take two sides to it, right? Like some of it is more screen-based, but some of it is more like kind of person-facing, right?
1: Yeah, there's definitely um, a lot of screen-based activities in accounting, which is kind of a specific area that I'm in, and um the perfect job for me, you know, maybe, maybe it's not it because it's a lot of spreadsheets and, you know, looking at Excel and, um, you know, like that it can, it can be a nice, you know, it, it it can be a nice financially rewarding career path, but I'm beginning to realize more and more about how, like, you know, what you do every single day is like, it's kind of like who you are and, um, you know, that that's more important than anything. Um, being able to make money is nice too and like taking you know a vacation every once in a while but like that's only really going to be every once in a while unless of course you're like you know Bill Gates or something yeah or Jeff Bezos but like yeah I want to be doing something that every single day I, I wake up and I don't, I don't know I don't have to it's a, I think to be honest it's a re- little bit unrealistic to expect to be excited every single day for your job. Like um, to have that kind of goal is like, how many people do you think there are in the world who wake up and are just like, so happy to do whatever they're doing every single day.
0: Well, I don't think any of the teachers in our high school fit that criteria, but uh, no, yeah, say- <laughs> not if I was in their class, that's for sure. <laughs> I of that. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who say like, you know, I find my job rewarding. It's like a second home, but there's never anyone who, you know, has it every day. Like, there's always bad parts to a job, right?
1: Yeah, always. Um, you know, and there's always going to be people that, like, you don't like working with or, um, you know, a boss who kind of annoys you. And, you know, you just, that's part of life is just, like, figuring out, like, you know, overcoming your challenges and, you um, I think a lot of people have this unrealistic expectation of like an ideal life, which is just like fun all the time. But I think that actually an important part of life is facing challenges and being able to overcome them, you know, um, and the feeling that you get because of that.
0: Well, I think there's also something to be said about like, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't making, like you said, you know, what you do every day is who you are. And I thought that was really interesting, because it's like, is it really? Like, there's a lot of people nowadays who, they are they go into a job, they know they dislike it, but they're doing it for the money, and I mean, they're not tying their identity to what they're doing at work. To them, it's That's like, means to an end.
1: Yeah, and then they go home and, and live, you know, whatever, their second life or whatever outside of work, but like... Again, like, how many people do you know that have, you know, this, a wildly different uh, side to them when they're not, you know, working, and, you know, that maybe, maybe they do do something, but a lot of the time it's just, like, video games, which is not, you know, to say, not to, like, put any shame to that, but, like, is that really, you know, like, you think about being on your deathbed and, and looking back and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I, I played all those video games, you know, like. <laughs> hey, really, uh,
0: hey. I'm going to be like raving about getting 40 on farm on my deathbed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all your, all your great grandchildren will come oh, around right. and you'll be like, children, listen to me. <laughs> I need to tell you something. <laughs> Round 45 on zombies. Never forget me. <laughs> yeah, dude.
0: <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think it's what you choose to do with your life, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with video games, but I think a lot of the happier people are like, hey, you know, I'm, I, you know what, it's, it's so hard to generalize this. Cause I mean, your job takes up a lot of time, like after eight hours, like, are you really wanting to come home and jump into something else? Like, yeah, there's, there's definitely
1: a bit of an energy or a fatigue, a lack of energy um, putting, you know, so much mental uh energy into the tasks that you're doing every day and to be able to come home and just you know have the same energy to do you know hobbies and then you know also i think you know well every person should be you know exercising to some degree so you got to find a way to fit that in too and you know it it can it can become a bit overwhelming so maybe the ideal job is something that like is like a a hobby to you but also like you know, keeps you fit and keeps you moving your body every day. You know, like, that's ideal to me, I would say.
0: I think it's something where it's, uh, I don't know, they've always said, like, if you make your hobby your job, it doesn't become a hobby anymore. And I think really, it comes down to make don't make your identity your job. If you don't like it, make it your hobbies, make it your passions and all that stuff. Very jazzy. And I mean, probably not realistic in a lot of people. But I think what you said with, you know, keeping fit every day, there is a lot to be said about it because, I mean, it used to be where it's like, you know, these administrative type positions or these desk jobs were like really cozy, right? But now we're seeing a lot of chronic pain that pops up because of the desk job. Definitely.
1: And I was like thinking about the posture as well, like the other day, and like I was just thinking about how I'm starting to... I can feel like my neck is starting to, like, come forward a little bit, you know? Like, and I'm just catching myself, like, being on my phone and just being in this, like, forward head position or being sitting at the computer and being in this forward head position. Are we... Is this what's going to happen to the human race? Like, are we going to evolve to, like, become some non... At least, you know, like, less physically capable creature? Or are we going to, like...
0: Yeah, I mean in a way yeah i like look at all the inventions that we had. like this was supposed to be a cozy job but now we're faced with the reality of like oh now you need to be using a treadmill desk or a standing desk or now we have ergonomic keyboards like it's not yeah. it's not healthish no it definitely isn't i was actually considering
1: getting a standing desk um <laughs> <laughs> i think that that's a good idea a good start you know we're not meant to be sitting down all day long and um you know who knows who knows like um is the future of our you know race or like as human beings is it meant to continue to be like a physical body i actually this is funny i remember today just seeing this uh post on my phone it was like Uh, 11 year old boy uh, is accepted into a physics program at this university says he wants to become immortal by changing his entire body into a machine and i was like what (laughs) like (laughs) this kid is like gonna be like definitely gonna be like the leader of the world of some dystopian society once he gets older like Settle down a bit, kid. Like,
0: <laughs> oh, was that real? Was that a real post, or was that like a joke?
1: It was real. Yeah, it was Shit. real. I'm like, do we? Ha- we should probably get people like considering the ethical implications of this, like <laughs> becoming immortal. Like, that's pretty crazy. I don't think I would like that, to be honest with you.
0: No, I feel like you get bored over time. I think it's uh, definitely not the type of thing where you want to die at sixty. But I don't really want to live past like. Hundred and
1: one. <laughs> yeah, I get that triple digits. Those triple digits would be nice. Yeah, dude. And like, still, still feel healthy too. Still be able to um, walk around, and you know, I would, I would think my ideal lifespan be like 120 years. Maybe like the last like ten or five are where I'm pretty much like useless. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, gotta be like walk, use a walker, and everything, because you know like i don't know yeah being being immortal like <laughs> that's pretty heavy duty shit right there like <laughs> yeah
0: and i mean you you never really like imagine being immortal but you were depressed the entire time exactly and like what what if you know some of your
1: your family decided not to become immortal and then you know they live eighty years, and you—you know—you continue to live, and their their existence is like such a small fraction of yours, and it's like uh, it becomes so like it, it becomes like a different frame of consciousness almost at that point because yeah. you don't understand the uh, kind of fragility of life and that it kind of. It doesn't last forever, you know?
0: Yeah. And I mean be, I'm kinda of
1: like thinking about this right now, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> dude, I
0: mean I I think even the worst part, like imagine immortality was in our lifetime, but it was like two years after your parents passed away. They like just missed the mark. Or like, you know, yeah. some of your loved ones, right? Like Well, I feel like I feel like if you get to that point
1: you'll also have like some technology that can bring back people from the dead almost but not you know not actually them but like some kind of like computer simulation based on like recordings and it'll be very very close to the real thing but again that's something that needs ethical
0: (laughs) dude fuck that ethical
1: conversations around it
0: that's some pet cemetery shit you don't want to deal with that
1: (laughs) yeah that's definitely yeah that's definitely not something you want to do but i definitely think it's something some people would want you know like yeah Especially if it's, like, a tragedy and you lose someone way too soon, like, you know, I, who might have judged somebody for wanting to, you know, have that?
0: I mean, how would you feel about marrying a robot, then?
1: Um, Depends on the robot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, like, how close can a robot get to being a human, like, Remains to be seen,
0: right? No, I think they've do, they've done some research into it, dude. And I mean, it seems like it's becoming more of a feasible and feasible thing. Like AI can learn by itself. AI can, you know, carry out all these different like you know feeling based tasks. And I mean, I don't know, like if you if you're comfortable with like you know conversing with a family member who's like simulated through you know like artificial AI means shouldn't you also be willing to marry someone who's an a or marry like an AI if it fulfills the same needs? Like where does the, like, where's the autistic authenticity start and end? Yeah,
1: that's, that's pretty true. And, um, it's kind of like, um, have you heard of like uncanny Valley before? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that where it's like right before, um, they get be able to perfectly imitate uh like a h- human android you know uh before it's like perfectly imitating human like the point right before that is like extremely like terrifying for people and they like completely reject the idea of it oh, yeah. but then once you once you you know then right you know you move up one more notch and then you're at like um perfect replication of humans and then you know like but what is what is the magic ingredient that you need you know like what is it that you know makes a human recognizably a human too which is an interesting thought
0: i dude i i could not think about all that right now (laughs) there's so much to consider
1: yeah we're going deep here for sure
0: (laughs) but i guess i guess with the whole topic like if you, okay, so if that's the idea, like, you know, something where it's like a hobby, something that you enjoy, but something you're physical, is your path really like the path you want then?
1: What do you mean? You mean you have a pre predetermined... No, I mean, like,
0: career. you're in commerce right now. Is that going to fulfill what you're looking for? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I don't even know what I'm
1: looking for, and I think that that's what... That's what life is kind of about. It's just you know you're you're never gonna be fully satisfied, um, you know, because like even the richest person, it's like w- if I have enough money to have every you know experience I could ever you know dream of, basically, you know what where does where do I get my novelty from now? Like where do I get the next cool thing? yeah well, probably by you know facing facing challenges, you know, like challenging myself to some degree, well it, it's like you go ahead, sorry,
0: sorry, I was gonna say, I think a lot of people when they think of becoming rich, I think it's not about striving to have everything you want, I think it's striving for uh financial mobility, right, like having your needs met,
1: yeah, that's true, just having the basic needs like what do you mean like sh- shelter yeah, food like
0: your quality of life significantly goes down when you have to stress about okay how am I gonna get like rice on the table for tonight like when you' when your life is just pay t- paycheck to paycheck like not eating certain meals and stuff like that to save money like that's such a huge stressor and it's actually like one of the biggest stressors for uh, a lot of psychopathology. Um, but I mean, yeah, like if you have that financial mobility, it's not a concern now of like, how do I eat? How do I, you know, live? How do I retain like, you know, these medications that I need to treat illnesses? It's, it takes a big burden off your back, right?
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think that should be one of the things that we strive to do as a society is like, give everybody that ability to have their basic needs met. You know, like, um, of course, that's that is is you know not. That's a kind of a controversial opinion because some people think like, well, should there be like some social safety net that exists where people kind of can not do anything but they're going to be guaranteed to be kept alive, basically, for, <laughs> but not you know be, being economically productive. Um, which I understand, like that's kind of fair too. But then that goes to mental health i think and that that kind of goes into well where like how can we give everybody a chance to kind of express themselves as a person while also you know contributing to society in some kind of way and then also giving everybody the ability to have food and shelter and you know running water etc
0: well have you heard of the uh, universal income project yeah, yeah, totally. So I mean, I think that kind of goes along with it. If I recall correctly, I mean, it pretty much gives you like the basics what you need, like food, shelter, uh like it, it does it it provides you the bare necessities. So I think past that it comes down to what you want out of life. Like, do you want to contribute? Do you like you could just probably sit on your ass and just, you know, go off of that, right? But over time i feel like you just would be so unsatisfied with your life that you would try and find another sense of purpose and yeah possibly even if that sorry go ahead even if that came out through like you know you want to become an artist or write a book i mean that's still something right but i think the majority of people i you probably wouldn't have people shooting for the whole idea of oh you know i want to go become a construction worker but maybe they do want to deal in accounting and stuff like that. Cause they just enjoy working with numbers or something. Right. So.
1: True. But what if we get to the point where technology is creating, um, you know, new kind of video games or new uh, personal devices that are like, um, you can pretty much live, you know, some grand magical experience from the comfort of your own home without having to go outside you know like do do you think we're we're far off from having something like that and if that did exist do you think that we would have people that would get bored enough to be able to kind of live in the real world and and
0: contribute are you talking like a ready player one scenario yeah something like that something along those lines yeah uh i think Definitely. Uh, People will get bored with that. I think uh, if you're talking about like AI taking over all the jobs and stuff, hey, there's uh, definitely potential for that. I mean, we're seeing AI take over, you know, a good chunk of jobs already. And I mean, we had this, dude, we we had this discussion on like one of the earliest podcasts here about like, whether or not like art created by robots would like have the same feeling and everything. Because nowadays, like, they found, like, similar to how they found, like, the dopamine receptors and, like, what hits in uh, casinos and stuff to make, like, the online experience authentic. They've also found, like, you know, here's the optimal point for, like, a beat drop in a track or something like that. So even that type of stuff can be uh, definitely AI created and take that away from, you know, our, our own creations. Um, but if anything, I think... For starters, that makes my degree a whole lot more fucking marketable. (laughs) That's for sure, yeah. No more shitting on psych degrees. Uh, So that'd be cool. You just
1: got to keep understanding the psychology more than AI understands our psychology, and we'll be okay. I think that that will be ideal. Because once the reverse happens, then that's going to be an interesting scenario.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then, you know what, I just think it comes down to... I don't know. It's it's too far away to think about that. I think for now, it's it, we might get to a point where there's a good chunk of like you know jobs taken over. Like I mean, you know, you go to the grocery store now, and some of the cashier jobs are replaced by self checkouts. But it's it's so far away that I don't, I don't really think it concerns us. Not in our lifetime, you're saying? Not in our lifetime. Not in our in our kids' lifetime if we get that far and. Uh, not to say that the world's ending in the next hundred years, just saying (laughs) I don't know if I'll have kids, but uh maybe like our grandchildren's types, right?
1: Yeah. That make Yeah, I could see that. Well who knows? I'm just along for the ride.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, dude. And I think you're right. It is all about uh kinda innovating and stuff and finding out who you are as you go along. Um I mean in regards to what you said about job, like I kind of want to go the same way. I originally thought I was going to go become a therapist, but I don't really want to do that anymore. I looked into more like... Uh, it's called ABA therapy, which is like Applied Behavioral Analysis, working with kids with autism. And that kind of provides a physical aspect to the job. It's like person-facing for most of it. So it just seems like a good gig, not really stuck behind desks desk the entire day, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and that does seem like something that would be very rewarding because, you know, you can... work progress with, you know, somebody and you know see results and see, you know, if you that you can, you know, have a positive impact on somebody's life tangibly, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I think that's probably the best aspect of it. The only thing I'd be quitting out note on if they were like, yeah, you need to uh start doing toilet training. <laughs> that's not for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think
1: that they'll have like they would have like a personal care worker or something. I would do that for them. Oh, yeah, for sure. You'd be the, you're would be the specialists.
0: No, they can actually, there's some ABA therapy places that, like, you know, toilet training is a thing because, I mean, it's oh. for, you know, kids with autism, sometimes there's struggles, right? So you need to, you know, yeah. teach the conditioning that leads to being able to, you know, do it themselves, right? So it's not just yeah. kind of the basic stuff that we went through as kids.
1: That would be a little rough as a job for sure but at at the same time you're you're very you know you're helping child very much you know like getting them to be able to understand that uh that process like it's pretty uh, pretty important to be at least somewhat socially calibrated and you know grow up so that, that that is
0: important if i ever get into that you are free to shadow me i know you love that
1: yeah they'll be so you're like getting this this kid to take a poop and i'll just be like sitting in the bathtub taking notes or something <laughs> i thought
0: you were gonna say taking a poop too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, a, yeah this great. jesus christ on a on a life shitty note you did mention earlier about uh I like can like the economy going to shit with uh, housing prices and stuff going up and the whole idea of like, you know, having to like the narrative of having to go get a degree to get a good job. So I, I know we talked about this a bit earlier, but right now we are seeing like a uh, kind of more of a delayed adulthood type thing. And mm-hmm. I did do a bit of research on it. So I know it's 2020, so it's a lot of pandemic based shit, but they did found like, you know, people from like 18 to 30, half of them were living with their parents. And I mean, even before that, in like 2018, it was like, maybe like 40%, 30% or something in like the US based off of census data. And there's a point like people are uh, getting married later on, they're sitting there getting houses later on, and it's becoming less of an attainable uh, really option, right?
1: Yeah, it really looks like that is the case and what does that mean you know what does that mean for like us as the next kind of generation that that's transitioning into adulthood um are we are we going to be renting for life or <laughs> or what's the deal like it's it's very very interesting and you know like People, it's highly debated too. Like people who who study this stuff for their whole lives, like you know, they don't know what the future economic world is going to look like. Of course, because no nobody does. It's no. nobody has a crystal nobody has a crystal ball. Um, but yeah, I could I could definitely see us living. I, I'm personally I don't want to you know be like this doomsday guy, but. I do I do kind of see us moving a little bit into a dystopian world kind of like we we move let's say we move to universal basic income everybody's making the same amount of money um you know the the classes are there's kind of like no real middle class anymore everybody kind of makes the same amount um you know jobs are kind of redu- redundant to most degrees like a lot of jobs get lost and you know people maybe we have some yeah ready player one stuff and people just don't <laughs> even want to or neural link even which is like coming out soon yeah. like people are just going to want to live in some virtual reality rather than you know deal with the real reality and you know like that's kind of a bummer thing to think but i don't i don't worry about that because uh it's not it's way. that's way over my head and um, I, what's more important to me is to just figure out my place in whatever world, whatever this crazy world brings to me.
0: What do you see your, like in regards to those goals? then? Cause I mean, it right now you're seeing a clash between like, you know, the older genera, like kind of our parents, grandparents type things where they're like, yeah, you know, like I was 22 and I got my first house and I was married at like 18 and we've been living in the same house for like 40 years. Obviously, that's not attainable. What do you What do you kind of see like your goals? Like, are you seeing yourself getting married at like twenty three? Do you see yourself buying your first home at like twenty five? Oh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> deep question, <No>. man. <laughs> uh, well, I can
1: tell you right now, like, no to both of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. Uh, you kind of have to push it back a little because you kind of have to get, like, stability to be able to do that, and, like, it, that kind of goes back to, like, what the American dream is, right? It's like New white picket family. fence. Yeah, yeah, you know, you you have ideally, you know, like, one the husband or wife works, and the other can stay home and take care of the kids, and, um, you know, you just make, it, make enough to, you know, live a comfortable life, but, um, like it, it that is ki- kind of seems like it's becoming a little less obtainable um but like the world's also moving in such a crazy way right we're all kind of figuring this out as we go along and now, nobody wants to live in dystopia that's for sure but um and we humans are smart too like we 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 figured out when we when times get rough like we you know we strive there i think that's where we're at our best is when um, things are at the they rock bottom kind of. It's like, well, we can't we can't really go any lower. So let's let's get out of this. Let's figure out what we need to do to kind of give at least give everybody. Because what what is what is it that we want for everyone? Well, I think it's a fulfilling life, you know. Yeah. Um, filled with you know not. It doesn't necessarily have to be some Ready Player One world where we're all just. Ju- have our dopamine jacked up at all times you know (laughs) like there has to be some degree of uh having like like you know life is like a a roller coaster ups and downs right yeah but integrating that into a way where everybody also has you know basic needs too it's like it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting that's for sure
0: i mean i think it's you know people it's pretty much i think getting everyone what they want um but i mean we look at kind of these older goals like you you brought up the american dream right where it's like two kids you know wife husband uh you know sitting there and one worked like you described it to a t right is that really what everyone wants still though because i mean with a lot of the diversity of different options and everything like some people like marriage rates are down because not everyone wants to get married i mean not everyone wants to even be in a relationship. And I mean, dude, you go down to LA and I mean, you'll see it's like, yeah, you know, I have like three girlfriends or, you know, shit like that, right? <laughs> polygamy. Uh, yeah, story. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that something you want? Are you, are you into the whole polygamy thing, Jack? I mean,
1: as long as they are not allowed to go with anybody except for just me, I'm, I'm down.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a little hmm. bit. You know what polygamy is, don't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like no um well actually maybe i don't
0: well I, I have an idea well i mean if all three of them are your girlfriends then i guess the three of them are also each other's girlfriends as well so
1: oh okay i see
0: yeah i mean i i could i could be down <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's actually too good um but yeah i don't know i mean for me i i, I don't think i'm in any rush to get married i think you know, even pushing it back to like 40 or something. I mean, what's the rush? I've, I've definitely, you know, some of those high school sweetheart stories are good and all, but you, you got to think like, there's no real comparison, right? Like, you, you, you start dating them in high school. And you know, later on, it's like, you know, you guys get married at like 18 or married at 22. And you just really haven't had that comparison bias, you might think that your world is like the greatest it ever is. But in reality, if you drop that shit, maybe like someone else would come along and be a little more mature, a little more what you're looking for. And, you know, just, (laughs) it's something you want more, right? I I think the idea of, you know, living with one person for the rest of your life and knowing that at such a young age, is just such a preposterous idea.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I think, Uh, marriage has also been like kind of like an economic necessity for a long time too like both i mean you know you this is kind of like traditional like 50s uh mindset but it's like you know you're a woman and you find some man and you hope like you know he'll be successful and you know let you stay at home and you know take care of the family kind of like the traditional gender roles but we've definitely evolved out of that for sure. And because, you know, we realized like yeah, like women, you know, actually want to have some independence and want to like kinda like get their own jobs and stuff and like make their way in the world. So now yeah, now now it's different. It's different for sure. Um maybe yeah, maybe this this kind of like this contract before God, which is kind of like a, a kooky idea for m- most of us you know oh yeah like most people our age are kind of like what it like that's kind of weird it's it's almost just like you get married for the party and then you're in a contract where like if you guys get divorced like you lose half your stuff so like
0: rough right <laughs> Dude, that scares me too because even like common law you guys are sitting there and living for like three years technically there is still uh an argument there for like taking half your shit or you taking half their shit or whatever like it's it's scary
1: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like you'd hope that you would have enough uh, trust in in the relationship at that point to, you know, not have to stress about that thing. But yeah, like, I don't know that those those things do happen, and you know, it's that's kind of like, but that's like a negative side to relationships. I think you just have to have more of a a positive outlook, and then you will kind of attract a more, you know, a positive relationship experience um into your life yeah. and you know like maybe you don't yeah yeah. maybe like you don't have to get this you know marriage thing where like you get this like you know but the party i think the, i think it's all about the party because like <laughs> i'm excited for marriages because of the parties like oh yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> not, yeah. i'm
1: looking forward to
0: oh uh, yeah i'm excited too. like just seeing run together like celebrating the event and everything like It's actually, you know, with the whole idea of, you know, the curiosity going away and the excitement of being a child and everything like going away, like marriage is like one of the things in adulthood where it's like, dude, I'm pumped to go to like a wedding or two. Like it's going to be Yeah, totally. It's, it's magical. (laughs) Exactly, dude. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think one of the less like, obviously like the whole marriage thing is a little more on the social side and. Perhaps the rates have decreased. Perhaps it's gone up later because you know what—it's uh, you know something that's socially been constructed more so. But I mean, the housing thing is definitely more on the economic side. You even said yourself, like, are we going to be sitting there and paying rent forever? Like, yeah, you know, like if you know,
1: because I don't see myself being able to afford uh, at least a house. You know, around this, you know, well, the area where we're from, it's a little expensive. Um, I I feel like if I want to buy a house, I'm gonna have to move away from my friends and my family, you know, and not necessarily something I want to do either.
0: No, and I mean, do you, do you ever see it as being feasible though? Like you definitely have a lot more knowledge on the housing market than I do, but I've looked around, and I mean, a place like Stratford, you can get a house for like I think like 400k, which is hey, that's pretty nice. That sounds reasonable. But and that I mean, is pretty reasonable, yeah there's not a lot of jobs down there
1: exactly yeah like that's that's also part of it like the cost of living kind of matches like the type of you know uh how lucrative the jobs available in the area are um like take like san francisco for instance um but i was also looking like but that also goes back to what we were saying way earlier it's like The remote work thing like maybe this is gonna maybe this will have an impact on the housing market right like
0: yeah you know
1: maybe people aren't gonna want to live in cities as much and you know maybe maybe i think i actually do think this is kind of a cool thing about this because if if cities change in this way you know i could see people like a lot of like the business professionals kind of leaving cities yeah and perhaps like cities becoming a little bit more of a you know, a lower income area, but also more like culturally expressive than before, because they are, are already are pretty kind of like, um, you know, culturally, you know, expressive. Like depends on the city, but like New York, for instance, like all kinds of different cultures, cool restaurants, music, but expensive. You know, like really expensive. Yeah. But like, if it could get cheaper, and then like more um different kind of cultures come in then i could see this being like a almost like a renaissance kind of you know which would be really exciting to see
0: do you think it's more of a rich man rich woman's benefit the whole work from home thing because i mean obviously we talked before about how you know it's good for you know people it's like yeah i don't want to go into work and you know not be able to like you know have lunch with my wife but in reality, like, you you were saying, like, you know, maybe, like, the business people will move out, and it's like, yeah, you know what, they might have that option, but, you know, you'll never get to a point where it's like, you know, you have a work-from-home nurse. <laughs> Can't exactly go to a hospital and do that, you know, via screens, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it won't, it
1: won't be, like, this, you know, exact, like, this huge um, instantaneous change. I think it'll be maybe more over time. And then that also goes to say like well what are the implications of this like then we're going to have like all the rich people live out in these beautiful country homes and all the uh, poor people are packed like sardines into condominiums you know oh gosh like that's that's a dystopian outlook for sure but um one that should be thought about for sure
0: yeah and in, in regards to the mental effects then what do you think about So obviously with the delayed adulthood, like, with the stuff that's been pushed on us before with like, hey, you know, I got my house at 21, like, hey, I was married at like 23, like, with all this kind of the socially prescribed goals like going up, are we like, I don't know about you. I haven't really thought too much about it. But I mean, there are people that are concerned. It's like, I'm 30, and I'm living with my parents, like, that's such a taboo thing, even though it's becoming more of the reality. So are we seeing more of like a mental health effect through that, through the inaccessibility of, you know, getting the house or having kids and stuff like that? Well,
1: uh, you look at like uh, uh, cultures, you know, different kind of cultures have this uh, different outlooks on this. Like some, I think it's like um, India or maybe it's like one of the, the religions, the major religions there, but they, 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 you know, they live a lot of the times, you know, all with each other. Um, as in like the, you know, the kids will live with the parents and then the grandparents will also live there. And, you know, maybe, a, an aunt and uncle, like it'll be just yeah. big family living there. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's what we're leaning into is this. Um, but at the same time, it is, it is important for development, I think, to gain some independence and, you know, have to be forced to be self-sufficient, um, because, you know, like just having everything kind of given to you does, again, this, this is goes back to this kind of theme of needing challenges to overcome in order to grow as a person. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, you know, this wouldn't be so good because then we wouldn't, we wouldn't really be able to have that. And I also don't want to, you know, I don't want to live with my parents forever. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a part of you know life i think or at least maybe maybe this has been this narrative we've been taught but at the same time personally for me i feel like this is a, this is a step in my life that i need to take i don't know about you how do you feel about it
0: well i i certainly think there is a need for independence for sure um i mean we both went off to university we did live on our own for a bit i think in general like you know having the transition almost and kind of what you know you should shoot for for goals in life having been in that transitionary phase i do think there's a lot of mental health effects like i do think people are feeling bad about you know the whole i'm living with my parents at 30 or 26 or whatever right i don't think it should i don't think it should be seen as a bad thing because right now it's a product of the economy but i mean if we get past this hump i do think like you know there shouldn't be any shame in it right like once you get out is when you get out and nowadays like people are just living longer so maybe we'll almost start to see a shift right like they are saying now that you know 50 is the new 30 so if you keep yourself in good enough shape and don't you know drink yourself to death or you know smoke till you're 50 like your outlook could be pretty good and then therefore like kind of these socially prescribed goals have kind of a right to be pushed back not by uh economical means but by almost uh just a shift in lifespan
1: yeah that's that's interesting and yeah a societal society is seeming to kind of trend in a more health conscious direction i feel like at least what now that we have you know google and everyone can at the touch of their fingers you know become an expert on like exercise and nutrition um it's, it, it really is like nothing we've seen before. And, you know, maybe every single person doesn't use it to their advantage, but maybe that's something that we need to uh, teach or some kind of like, you know, public education or public kind of mental health, you know, thing where we, we just try to get everybody to understand that how important it is to be healthy and how we, we can't just live off of vices and that we need to take care of our bodies
0: no and you're totally right on that i i I think with the independence thing too um there there's definitely been i i definitely think it's a good step like learning to be self-sufficient and everything i think one of the more interesting things is you just you don't understand how i know this sounds cheesy i know it sounds like you know first world problem type thing but it's hard to be self-sufficient in some ways. Like, you, you really take for granted, like, how much, like, individual things take. Like, for you, what would, like, living alone or, I guess, living with roommates or whatever, what was, like, one of the biggest adulting things that you were like, oh, my God, I did not think that this would be this hard or, like, this time-consuming?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know, because I'm pretty good for keeping things you know like keeping my stuff tidy because I kind of gained this perspective of like you know if you kind of like keep working on it every day like things just stay tidy because like if it takes like five minutes to just quickly you know tidy up your room and you know then you don't let it get super messy um that works well but I mean one of the things would be, like, no, nobody to hold your hand when it comes to, like, uh, socialization, I think, is the biggest thing. Really? Um Yeah, for me, at least. You know, you kind of have to figure out how to uh, introduce yourself to people and, like, be able to, like, start conversations and get to know other people. I think that was the biggest thing for me, at least, to um, learn some
0: more self-sufficiency, I would say. Interesting. I never... I never really thought of the social aspect. I never, um, yeah, I never felt like that was a huge thing for me. Although I, I, I can definitely see like, you know, when you grow up, like knowing the same people, like in the town, like, you know, a lot of who you know is like, Hey, you know, like this is a friend of a friend and that's how you meet people. Or there's the commonality of, Oh, we all go to the, uh, this sounds stupid. It's not really, but we all go to the same grocery store. Or we all go to the same high school, but yeah, once you get out there, it's, I guess it's a lot harder to meet new people, right?
1: Yeah, definitely, and for me, like, I, um, definitely had some social anxiety that I've kind of worked on, and, um, you know, gotten, gotten better, um, gotten better at, for sure, and that being thrown out, uh, to the wolves, so to say, (laughs) going to university was, uh, was definitely what I, I needed, but at the same time, that's not what everyone needs, right? Like, um a lot of people need therapy, a lot of people need in some cases medication um to be able to do these things and um there's a lot of sti- there's still a lot of stigmas. I think you know we have like these bell let's talk days and stuff but I personally still feel there's a, a lot of stigma against mental health and but it is improving and that's that may, really makes me happy to see.
0: You think there's still a good chunk of stigma against mental health?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, think about, like, a a blue-collar job or something. Like, I, I, I highly doubt, I mean, I don't have personal experience, but I still highly doubt, like, you'd be able to just take a day off because you have an- anxiety, or, you know, or you have depression. Okay. I feel like your boss is going to be like, uh what are you talking about? Like, unless you're dying, like, you got to come into work.
0: Yeah, I I do. uh, I do agree with you on that. I think. Yeah, no, I I would advocate for mental health days. I do. I do think something that does need to be considered, though, is the amount that terms are thrown out. Like, honestly, I think it's good that we've had a lot of like, you know, mental health uh, awareness and stuff. And I mean, I'm a huge advocate for therapy, I think, if anything, you know, describing it to people in different terms, like, Therapy's not really a place where it's like people tell you, like, yay, yeah, do this, do that. It's you're talking to yourself in a mirror. Really, all you're doing is having the mirror show you like, hey, this is, you know, you should be focusing on, you know, the tie you're wearing or something like it's not even something where it's really led by anyone but yourself. But I do think there's an issue with like, we've gotten to a point where a lot of people say like, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, but in a way where it's like clinically significant. And don't get me wrong, you know, everyone has those feelings of depression or anxiety, but it's, how do I put this? It's, it's almost taking something that's, you know, in a different uh, realm, not in a different realm, but it's like having depressive, like sad days, depressive days is a whole lot different from having, you know, clinical uh, depression, like major depressive uh, episodes and stuff. So I do think there needs to be an understanding that hey you know what this is normal but we shouldn't be you know comparing the two right
1: for sure yeah that that's that's totally and that's a good it's good to have your perspective on that because that's something that you're like pretty knowledgeable in as well yeah um yeah like I think i I think I mentioned this to you before but I think it it all needs to kind of start at, from the child's the childhood because think a lot of a lot of people carry with them a, a lot of trauma from their childhoods and if we can do our best to you know give everybody a healthy environment and a loving environment to grow up in i think that and then just kind of let people become themselves with that as the base and obviously there's going to be you know uh one percent of like outliers like psychopaths or sociopaths um but that I think that'll give us a much better a much better chance uh to develop society better just more I think that'll give us more caring and empathetic individuals
0: for sure and honestly I think that starts with the parents right like you said a lot of the trauma starts in childhood and I mean really the some of the best indicators for you know good outlook or some of the worst indicators for getting like psychiatric disorders is you know having good versus bad parents, right? So, but the issue is you can't stop that nineteen-year-old who wants to you know, I guess shack it up and then have a kid, right? So yeah, that's you true as well. Can't choose who becomes parents, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally true, and you know it's who's to say like we this some authoritarian kind of well it wouldn't you know people might see it as authoritarian but like some rule of like this is how you have to parent your kids or like this you know is a requirement of development now it's like you know i think it's human nature to be um to make mistakes and be a little chaotic so i don't know if people would be comfortable with that either
0: oh of course i think going along with this it, it would almost be interesting like imagine if you know how rigid it is to you know become a parent who adopts right like the criteria that they have to go through and you know making sure that the kid would be stable in the home and everything right imagine people had to go through that if they wanted to have a kid that would be
1: pretty smart but at the same time that would be pretty authoritarian too right so oh, of i think there'd be a lot of backlash against that
0: yeah no i mean you're totally right on that i that's not something i would propose i just think it'd be interesting it would be
1: hard though it would be like it definitely would be because a lot of these things are cycles right like cycles of trauma that get passed down generation from generation right
0: oh of course oh gosh dude dude this has so much bad potential like Imagine, like, the discrimination criteria is like, okay, well, you know, you have arthritis, so we don't want that passed on to the next kid, or you have major depressive disorder. We don't want your kids to be depressed. Like, that almost, okay, you know what? What sounds like a good idea almost sounds like it would promote a eugenics culture.
1: <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen the movie, uh, Gattaca before? No, what dude, what is that? <laughs> it's pretty interesting. It's, it's about, like, this society where... Uh, humans, you know, like your your lifespan and like all these, you know, diseases or issues that you're going to have will be like able, they'll be able to see it with technology right when you're born. So parents are then given the ability to opt into, um, you know, curing their children of all these things and giving them kind of like perfect genetics and becoming like super smart, super athletic and everything. So then it, it creates this uh t- tiered society where there's a class of people that are genetically enhanced and you know consider themselves superior and then there's kind of like just naturally born humans um who are considered inferior and they kind of live in like a class system in that way
0: yeah so i don't think that's feasible that dude that's like nazism in a way
1: yeah that, that that definitely is uh that's another thing like there's so many of these you, well, you see all the time, like these technologies that are scientists are researching, and you know, Neuralink, I think, is a big one. It's like, are, are we really going to take this product to market without having an ethical debate on this? Um, I, I, I hope so, personally. Like, maybe we should slow down a little, and you know, but like, then again, who, who gets to the debate debate, right? Like, who speaks for yeah. um, humanity?
0: I don't know about you. I wouldn't want Neuralink. Me neither. I don't think I would get it either. Dude, I mean, what do you you really need it for? Plus, I don't know, dude. I'm just imagining, like, the corporate opportunities. It's like, you know, you're driving down the highway, and, you know, they can put a fucking Geico ad in your mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or, like, you know, like, it could be one of those things, like, once you you do this to yourself, once you enter the you you kind of lose a little bit of what makes you human, and and you might not be ever to be be able to go back again. It's my fear. Like yeah, there could be there could it could play. On, I don't exactly know how the technology works, but it could play on your you know your receptors almost like a drug, you know, and be something that like changes the human experience. Yes, but like um changes it to the way that almost like it it would potentially create one class and two classes of uh, systems humans where you have like one that it's like enhanced by technology and one that isn't
0: well i think you also gotta look at the difference between like enhancement and just like completely like deviated right like you look at something like a boat the like a, or let's say scuba equipment. It's like scuba equipment's good because it it compensates for our weakness of not being able to breathe underwater. That's good because it gives us the accessibility and compensates for our weakness. Neuralink doesn't really compensate for a weakness. It's more of an addition and therefore like a complete deviation, right?
1: Yeah, I think Elon considers the weakness to be the fact that AI is getting smarter than us. So that in order to keep up with the AI that's like super intelligent that we need to be able to you know have that bandwidth to process as much information as they are in our brain as they are on on their you know computer drives
0: yeah dude like the amount of stuff they can do now and the potential for what ai can do in the future just scary and i mean dude imagine like a hot singles in your area link that pops up in your neural link. It's like, ah, oh, sure. You click that and then you get a whole virus in your mind. <laughs>
1: could that, could that be a thing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you just opened the door for it right there. <laughs> Somebody's going to listen to this and write the script for it. Oh my and you going to like turn everybody into zombies. Yeah. Dude. That's a good movie idea.
0: Hey, you know what? Maybe one day, dude. Hey, maybe that yeah. can be our claim to fame. We can co-write that, sell it off be able to buy a house and get the <laughs> yeah economy. get that house
1: and get one single bitcoin fuck yeah dude <laughs> that's oh. the that's the new american dream is own one single bitcoin
0: a house and a bitcoin
1: yes a house and a bitcoin and a couple of ethereum
0: <laughs> well you heard it here for yeah you heard it here first wait what what the fuck am i looking for you heard it here first folks you got there it you go. <laughs> <laughs> i honestly though i think that probably takes us to uh pretty much the end of our topics then so thank you for uh joining us though dude that was holy shit we went into so many different deep topics
1: yes yeah i love the deep conversations though i had a, I had a great time you got anything else you'd like to add before we kind of end this off um, no no i think i'm good yeah this was a great time and uh, i'm ha- i was happy to be a guest on here
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Do you have anything you'd like to link? Any social media for people? I don't know. Are you doing anything creative if you want people to find you? You want to link a resume for potential employers?
1: I'm (laughs) an accounting guy. So, I mean, if you work for a bank, hire me and give me a $200,000 salary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just go to uh, jackchristyconsulting.com in the next week or so when he makes it. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, uh, definitely you can, you know, tune in every other Friday at 8 p.m. EST with a pretty much a new guest every time. Uh, obviously it wasn't this time, but we'll, uh, definitely get back on schedule. been busy with midterms and everything. And if you want to listen to the show after you can go to, uh, anchor.fm slash gravescast or, uh, just find us on like Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen, if you want to send in a message, you can either do a voicemail or you can send an email to the Nick. Uh, no, not that one. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> NF Graves at gmail.com. Just put in the uh, title Gravescast. So make it easy for me. Anyways, uh, thank you for joining us. Jack, pleasure to have you on as always, and we will catch you guys later. See ya.